Hey nerds, welcome to episode 539 of the Professional Book Nerds Podcast presented by Overdrive. Just Adam today, and I have a really lovely special Thursday interview for you. I know our, our interviews are usually on Mondays, but uh, this week we had the Big Library Read program going on. We had a, a special event earlier this week, and also Jill uh, was getting her uh, second vaccine shot and uh, a whole bunch of stuff. But fortunately, I was able to just kind of move our, our schedule around and get this interview out for you guys that I'm excited for you to hear. So I'm glad that it's coming out just a little bit earlier than, a, than it actually would have. Um, I spoke with author Maria Kuznetsova, who has a new book out called Something Unbelievable, um, and her first book was called Oksana Behave, which was also delightful. Uh, but we just had a fabulous conversation. Um, the book, and obviously, is if you've listened to any amount of time on the podcast, you know that we opened the conversation with Maria, giving a, an introduction to something unbelievable. But um, it's basically all about a grandmother telling uh, her granddaughter stories about her life in Kiev, Ukraine, and um, escaping and and escaping the Nazis and wartime Soviet Union and, and all sorts of really wonderful stuff, but uh, wonderful in the sense that it's it's a great book. Not obviously the experiences that the grandmother went through were wonderful. A uh, bit of a slip of the tongue there on on, on my part, but uh, we just had a really fabulous conversation about family storytelling and looking into our own pasts by hearing stories from our our parents and our grandparents and uh, you know what that really means especially now I've been thinking a lot about this type of thing during the pandemic and how much I miss my family and how close I am to being able to hang out with them again and just really looking forward to asking my parents questions about just life in general and, and things of that nature. So um, I, th- I think you'll really enjoy it. We also laughed about the fact that uh, because of her writing is fairly autobiographical, um, people in her life are now kind of like, hey, uh, are you going to write about me in your next book? And so just really fun stuff there. And then we also get into uh, the fact that Maria writes short stories and she writes longer, obviously, uh, novels and, and all sorts of different stuff. And if she has a preference and, and the structure and everything. So just it's a, a wonderful conversation that I, I think you guys will very much enjoy and something unbelievable is a delightful book so definitely go get a copy uh you know purchase it for yourself recommend it to your library borrow from your library whatever you got to do this is uh, one of my favorite books of the year if you want to get a hold of us you can always reach us at professionalbooknerds.com that's where you'll find all of our episodes over the last five years you can search for specific authors or genres uh, it'll all come up and you can just listen to uh, past episodes if you'd like um, you can also find us on twitter and instagram at probooknerds or just shoot us an email at professionalbooknerds at overdrive.com we love hearing from you guys uh, genuinely if you take a minute or two to send us an email it, it makes my day i love seeing those and respond to everybody um so thank you thank you thank you and also if you haven't left us a review yet if you want to leave a review about a specific episode or about the podcast in general that you enjoy um it it makes our day too so and it helps people find us just a little bit more easily uh also if you missed the big library program uh live event that we did with the author i did a, a zoom interview with him uh, you can go to overdrive's youtube page later this week that'll be up and I'll, i'll put a link in the bio for you okay enough housekeeping. Let's get to the good stuff. Uh, I'm really excited. So I hope you guys enjoy this conversation with Maria Kuznetsova on the Professional Book Nerds podcast. 
Okay, so my novel, Something Unbelievable, um, is about a actress who is struggling in her job and just had a baby and is trying to kind of reboot her life. And uh, to do that, she puts on a play based on her grandmother's World War II story. And uh, the book takes place in uh, partly New York City, partly in Kiev, and is actually um, told over over Skype, which I guess is the, the old version of Zoom. Uh, and it shifts between the perspective of the grandmother and granddaughter and their stories kind of resonate with each other's. Um, so it's kind of about inheritance and um, what the grandmother has passed down to her, her granddaughter, whether she wanted to or not. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, I have a bunch of stories about, or a bunch of questions about like storytelling and, and families and doing that type of thing. But before I get to that, um, I don't normally say like what inspired the story because sometimes yeah. <laughs> I think that's like a kind of a lazy author or like interview question but you were just talking about you had, you had a friend so there this is kind of sort of close to home how this was inspired yeah so it, it began um, in, in graduate school we had an exercise uh, there's a class that was um, Ethan Keenan's long story class and you had to mm -hmm. write a story that was over 50 pages or something like that so <laughs> Um, I had this story that my grandmother uh, had told me from when she was a child in World War II in Kiev, Ukraine and evacuated um, and lived in the Ural Mountains for a few years and a bunch of weird things happened like they almost starved to death. Uh, her grandmother fell or pushed or threw herself under a train depending on who you ask. Yeah. Um, and um, there was an incident where they stole uh, their neighbor who was hoarding food. They stole her chocolate and there was like violence that ensued from that. So things like there were like set pieces that were real that um, mm -hmm. I was always interested in. And so I wrote it for that story, but for the class, it needed to, it needed to span 50 years. That was the other part of the exercise. That's be a long story that spanned 50 years. So I was like, okay, let's throw in like an inorganic frame of someone listening. Let's make it um, some granddaughter who, you know, mm -hmm. whatever. Uh, and then as it, as it kept going, um, I realized that the story was both about um, cause I don't like, I resist the, the narrative of like the old person is there to pass wisdom on to the new person. And then they die. And you know, yeah. uh, I wanted it to be about both of them discovering something about themselves and their lives. But, um, I did want there to be a more contemporary person receiving the story who had a life of her own. Um, yeah. so kind of late into the process, um, I then worked on having equal points of view for the the actress and and her grandmother um and and she is inspired by my friend um masha king who actually does the audiobook recording for amazing Masha character which is so cool i'm so like amazed that uh they made that happen but um she you know she's my one friend like in our immigrant community of like jewish refugees who came over to new jersey in 1991 there's mm -hmm. like a whole you know 50 60 of us um yeah. like she and I were the only two like weird artistic people at the time, you know, like we're the only yeah. ones who weren't like, you know, doing what we should be doing, I guess. So uh, <laughs> it's been fun too. And she's like a real, I mean, you know, like real she, actress. Yeah. I, know, I mean, uh, like she's been on Madam Secretary as a recurring oh, character awesome. um, as this Russian woman. Uh, and, you know, but she always gets these parts of like some Russian spy or prostitute or whoever, who's like instantly killed. And so, mm -hmm. It's like, like I would tune in to watch my friend on TV and be like, here, she's hit over the head with a shovel and falls yeah. into it. And it's like, yay. Uh, so I don't know. So I was interested in um, moving away from my own, like my first book, Oksana Behave, was more about, more autobiographical and about the writing mm -hmm. life. Kind of like, I wanted to think about how a different kind of artist would struggle. Um, yeah. 
And so that's my long answer. Yeah, no, that's great. <laughs> so the one of the things you said that your grandmother, you know, told you this story and one of my like biggest regrets in life is when I was younger, um, and my grandpa passed away when I was like 12 and, you know, like that's that age where you're just like, you don't really want to see your grandparents. Like they come over for a holiday or something. You're like, okay, whatever. I don't care. <laughs> and, um, my grandmother on my mom or my dad's side, um, had, um, kind of water on the brain, which led to, um, like dementia. And basically she, it was in the like a vegetated state by the time I was like old enough to want to learn more about our family yeah. and so there's just like beyond my parents there's just kind of this like cut off where like I can't get those stories yeah. and now I all I want to do as a person who is involved in storytelling for a living like all I want to know is these stories from them but were you like obviously a lot of this stuck with you because you wrote a novel that is you know a lot of it is in there but like when did your grandmother tell you these stories and did you have that moment at that time that like you were able to appreciate it yeah I think she so she um she immigrated my family to America when I was um five years old and she lived with us for a while and we shared a room for a while which is you know like she was like a widow in her mid-50s who was like full of life you know working dating mm -hmm. she had to live I mean it's horrible to think about like it's awful for her uh but she's a <laughs> character and so um when I went to college, so I didn't think much about being like Russian or where I, or like from Ukraine. We considered ourselves Russian at the time because we were like Soviet people who spoke Russian. Now I would say, right. you know, I'm from Ukraine, but um, yeah. I didn't think that much about where I came from until I went to college. And then my grandmother retired and moved back to Kiev to her old apartment where she uh, lived. So, um, so then I visited her when I was like maybe 20 years old and I was like, whoa, this I, I felt so it's such a strange feeling of like mm -hmm. I'm everyone called me the American when I was there but like when I was you know at college or whatever everyone's like she's like the weird immigrant girl you know yeah. <laughs> like um you know it's a common feeling I guess of like belonging or not belonging but like um, other, yeah they're like other than feeling yeah 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 this kind of third place where I found myself where I wasn't you know American mm -hmm. or Russian but um yeah so I just got really interested in just like what happened over there before we left and what my, happened to my parents and mm -hmm. my grandmother. Um, and it's not like I said, will you tell me all of your stories now so I could put them into a book, but I was already knew, you know, knew I want to be a writer. And right. um, one of my professors had said like, why are you only writing about American characters? You know? And I just thought like, well, it's cause it's the stories I read were like that. Like I didn't know about immigrant writers yeah. really. It was like, I read the books my parents had at home, which were, <laughs> Russian classics or like, you know, Vonnegut, Hemingway, Twain, like the stuff that yeah. they were able to read in the Soviet Union. So it wasn't the most like diverse group of, of books that they're all very good. Um, yeah, so then I started kind of, then I went to my, my master's program and I started writing about, you know, these family stories that were sometimes my grandmother, sometimes um, like my great grandmother was born during a pogrom, you know? So like things mm -hmm. like that um, made, made their way into my fiction and so um yeah so she told me like bits and pieces here and there I don't know that we sat down and she told me the whole thing maybe she I mean it would have been over Skype you know like I remember her telling me in Kiev walking in some gardens and her talking about like hiding under a train when the, when the, the, the yeah um, when they were bombed on the way to, to evacuation um but yeah at some point and then you know she passed away um five years ago 
tomorrow actually um which i'll always remember because today is my birthday so <laughs> well, happy birthday on a, on a, yeah. on a lighter <laughs> note yeah i know right it's a fun way to spend my, my, <laughs> my birthday um so she you know wasn't there to follow up but her sister is eight years younger and so you know i would talk to her over zoom to get to or i guess uh to get yeah more of the story and then of course like you said like your you have your parents as the cutoff point so then I would ask my family like what do you remember from what she said and which part because she never said like yeah my grandmother threw herself under that train Mm -hmm. Uh, and so I mean I still don't know what happened but it was interesting to get different perspectives and that's why you know part of why I wrote about it because I knew I would never really know what what went on there Mm -hmm. Uh, if I did then it would be like journalism I don't know you know so yeah part of the fun of it it's really interesting. I was kind of smiling, just thinking about, I'm a big fan of Russian literature. I've always been like, I also was one of those people like in high school, I was reading, you know, like Dostoevsky and stuff like, just like one of those insufferable, like, <laughs> please don't talk to me. Adam. But like, I was thinking about the fact that I, like something that made me laugh is I took a Russian literature class in college, but I feel like when you're younger, you're talking about not seeing any characters kind of like look, looked or sounded or like acted like you were in, when you're younger. Because I really could feel like when you're younger and you're growing up, like you hear about these Russian like classics where it's like, so there's this book called War and Peace or there's this story of Anastasia. And it's like, there's like nothing in between. And I was like, but the thing I was laughing about is I, I growing up, I read all these books and um, I loved them. And then in college and in college was actually when my, my grandmother had passed away, but and I was kind of sad, but also like didn't really have a connection to her. And I found out they're like, by the way, she has this collection of all these old books. You're the bookish one in the family. Do you want to go look? Oh. I was like, absolutely. And um, she had all of these, my dad's side of our family is, is Jewish. So she had all of these like hundred year old books that were like how Jewish women should act. And I'm like, okay, well that is very <laughs> up the time, but kind of funny to own. And then I, I saw, cause my aunt told me, she's like, by the way, grandma, grandma Lily like loved Russian literature. And I know you do. And I was like, oh, I'm going to find some like gems I've never heard of. And I couldn't stop laughing. Cause it was like these generic paperback versions of like Ibsen's a dollhouse, a doll's house. And I was like, okay, well it's my grandmother's. So that's wonderful. But like that's literally the first play I feel like I read when I was in high school and they're like we're gonna teach you about Russian writing and it's like it was like all of the books that you would expect like a like did she love Russian literature or did she love like the three things that are like everyone has to read yeah um but yeah I it's it is interesting because I feel like I have this idea that I want to kind of interview my parents at some point to like write a story about it and I do think there isn't, you know, I kind of asked you like how she told you the stories and I guess it would be weird for a grandmother to be like, let's sit down for 12 hours. And I'm like, like at the beginning of Titanic, like that's not, that never happens. You never sit down with someone for a day straight. I imagine it would, but it is interesting that you were able to pick up those stories like throughout and like kind of remember them. Like, did you, like, did you kind of know the moment you're like, oh, this is, this is the good stuff. I always find myself stuck in those moments when my parents were telling me things. Yeah, I think, I mean, you know, my grandma was five when it happened. So she, uh, so a lot of it was like, okay, I'm not going to write about like war trauma happening to Mm -hmm. a five-year-old. I feel like there's, it can only go so many ways. So I think, yeah, yeah, I don't, I I don't know when, when I knew that it it should be like a full thing, but I just Mm -hmm. had, I just kind of wanted to get to the train station, you know, and get to her grandmother's death. Um, And, and I felt like there was something there, but I wasn't sure, mm-hmm. you know, it took a while to. Yeah. Was that sort of where you had the, the 50 page one 
stop? Yeah, it stopped. Yeah, I mean, the 50-page one is a pretty good outline for the main, you know, story. So I mm. think it had, it hit all the points. Yeah. Um, it, it, it stopped at the train station, then they left. Yeah, and then I, I don't think they had a afterward of what happened when they left. I think then mm. it you know, went to the present and she told the granddaughter what happened or like yeah. what really happened with the necklace and everything. <laughs> yeah. Spoiler alert. I mean, I think, yeah. Yeah, I think, you know, part of, part of it, in, in revising it, I have in the um, first chapter, she was like, oh yeah, my grandmother fell under a train. Like I, I didn't want it to feel like a mystery, you know? So I just kind of mm-hmm. said it. Um, and then I hope that is be more about how it happened and not like, what's the big secret? Yeah. Um, I, along those same lines, um, last year, I interviewed this author named Deborah Wiles and she wrote this book called Kent State. I actually think she might be from or lives down near issue now that I'm thinking about it. Um, But she wrote this book called Kent State and it's a very short, um, it's a very short kind of version of what happened in Kent State 50 years ago with um, the National Guard and everything. And, um, but it kind of tells everyone's side of the story. It's really interesting. And the reason it was so interesting to me is both my parents were actually there. They were students at Kent State when this oh, all wow. happened. Yeah. And like they were on campus and oh. it was this whole thing. And after I interviewed her, I told her this. I was like, my, she's like, you, when we were having our conversation for the podcast, she's like, you know more about this than like any mid thirties person should. And I was like, well, <laughs> my parents were there. And yeah, wow. so I was able to connect them. And like I via Zoom, of course, everything else from the past year. But it was one of those moments where like I just shut up and listened to them all talk because I got to hear my parents like put themselves again in their early 20s at this place. And like that was definitely one of those moments in my life where I was like, I'm hearing something that I've I'm not supposed, maybe not supposed, but like I didn't know. And like there would be no organic way for me to be like, what was it like when you were 21, mom? I know it's like not a <laughs> question that would make a whole lot of sense but do your parents tell you the stories from when they were young like is this it's just such an interesting and I appreciate this concept of like writing a story about a story being told from a grandmother's point of view like is this something that your parents do as well yeah I mean you know part of part of our culture our culture (laughs) uh is you know sitting around the table drinking and eating like 80 types of advertisers until it's really late. And then everyone kind of has their um, chance to tell their story. You know, mm. I, I'm very much a fly in the wall, like with you listening to your parents talk about Kent State. Um, Cause you know, I feel very like, like that third place where I'm at, where I'm not fully part of them, not fully part of this, the yeah. America. you know, so I more listen, I'd listen. And, um, and it's hard to capture, you know, I mean, most of their stories are, along the veins of like um, humorous incidents that happened when I was, you know, broke and first came to America and didn't know what was going on, yeah. you know? Um, like uh, we have a family friend who's like delivering pizza uh, and he'd never driven a car before in Oklahoma. And he like parked the car on top of a hill and then he delivered it. And then he was like, came back and he was like, the car was stolen. And then they found that it like, he didn't, you know, put the, didn't know the yeah, and just rolled right down, you know? Um, <laughs> I'm sure it was horrible at the time, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but um, so they're mostly in that vein, you know, like they're more like little anecdotes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then um, 
out of that, you know, some kind of actual story emerges, I think. But yeah, it's rarely that I would, I mean, I would ask sometimes. Yeah, I think I, I would, but mm-hmm. a lot of it would come organically and then, um, yeah. I'm, I'm getting flashbacks of Seder meals that we would do for like <laughs> Passover at my grandmother's house. Cause I do, like those are the two things I remember. My, my, my dad is a non-practicing Jew. In fact, in the sense that he got like kicked out of three <laughs> Hebrew schools like he desperately did not want to be religious yeah he was uh um he was quite a quite a character he still is but um he has a couple of siblings who two brothers especially who were like it's almost like a comedy act like I remember like sitting around like we're supposed to be going you know like dipping our knives in the wine and and they're just like cracking jokes like out of those jokes and those like lighthearted moments did like come these little nuggets of stories that I I was really young then but like I would at some point when I asked my dad like wait hold on what was that like like the four of you sharing a room in an attic and like all these different things like Um, it is interesting how through comedy you can sort of pull actual stories I suppose comedy is is pain plus time equals comedy comedy. yeah tragedy plus time equals comedy yeah yeah Yeah. so I think a lot of those things at the time were not funny you know But, (laughs) but now it is kind of funny I don't know um it's yeah it's a tricky thing because my parents mm-hmm. are really good storytellers and it's very intimidating but mostly I just listen and hope to yeah to learn learn more but but now they have this thing where you know since because my first book Oksana Behave was um very autobiographical though it, there are a lot of things I would argue were not true uh mm-hmm. but now after that they're like okay be careful what you say on her you know and like anytime they tell me like this happened to this family friend it's horrible don't put this in your book you know like <laughs> But they're like really serious. I mean, mm-hmm. I don't think I used any random, per- but now, yeah. Yeah, my my husband read the opening of this book. He's like, you stole this one thing from the story I told you. And I like didn't even realize, but. Yeah, yeah this is, like- okay, no, this is good to know because I'm working on a manuscript and it is, it's not auto, it's not my story, but it, I, I was the last graduating class of a high school before it closed. Oh, and wow. so, yeah, it was a very weird experience. And so I'm writing a book where that happens yeah and I do find myself putting stories in about like my friends and then like I'll like you know blatantly change who it is so it's not obvious but like this is good to know because I definitely have stories about like my siblings my parents and I feel I'm like terrified to show them any version of it until like I get an a literary agent and be like it's too late it's I already told this it's out there that's good to know this is good stuff yeah I think I think my my like until I I remember like getting the galleys or the proofs I think it was just pages but it was like in the real font of my first novel like real pages and then um my daughter was just born and I I opened it and I was like oh shit it's like too late (laughs) (laughs) I mean it was way too late it was like a year too late but until I saw it in like real font I was Mm -hmm. like oh like I should I call so a few people and explain myself yeah (laughs) you Uh. know but I guess my um not that you're asking for advice, but my, my take on, on yeah. autobiographical writing, because uh, people do ask, is like, I guess, like for the best writing, I think you do what I did, which is be kind of oblivious and like, don't think about the people. And then later, <laughs> after forgiveness, not permission, you know, because mm-hmm. uh, otherwise, like you're gonna, like now that I'm, you know, um, working on more stuff, you know, I'm more conscious of it after having published a book. And I think yeah. it's like, slowing me down in a way I mean I understand you shouldn't like exploit everybody you know but to get like to the good stuff I you know it's like important to hope that your family friends will just be supportive and (laughs) yeah well and also like 
I think it's, I, I mean, fear, first off, I've had so many authors. I mean, like, you know, all writing is at least a little bit yeah. autobiographical. Like, I've, that's why I've stopped. I, I don't ask too often, like, which of your characters do you see yourself in? Because, like, most authors would be like, all of them. I literally wrote the whole book. Like, it's me. <laughs> what are you talking about? Um, but I know what you mean. It's so funny, like, thinking about, like, even the podcast. Like, we'll have some episodes where we get, talk about, like, pretty heavy stuff. And, like, I'll have, like, my dad be like, yeah, I don't, I'm sorry. i just not, like, a big podcast guy. And I'm like, actually, that's great. Don't, I don't need you listening to me. Yeah. Like, this is, like, almost, like, therapy for me. I don't need you to hear me talk for hours about reasons I'm upset from a book. It's okay. Don't yeah. listen. It's so, like, maybe that's what I'll do when I, if I can get this book published. Be like, actually, guys, like, buy some copies, put them on your shelf. Don't, don't open them. Yeah. <laughs> like, complete strangers. Um, Speaking of, like, the fact that you have, you know, you've written stuff that is kind of autobiographical. You've also, you know, written fiction and nonfiction. You have a, a short story that was just put up on, I think it was The, the Rumpus. It's kind of magical realism type of stuff. And like, do you have a preference? Because you were talking about how now you're sort of aware when you're writing stories yeah. about people. Like, do you have a preference between kind of pulling things from your life or just like pulling stuff completely out of your brain? Yeah, I think, I mean, I can't, I mean, some authors are, are more like, it's fiction. I'm pretty open about like, eh, it's all pretty real. And I just manipulate it, you know? Yeah. So I think it really depends on what, what mood I'm in, you know? Mm. So, um, the story that you read, uh, boy of my dreams, it's the premises, well, you've read it, but you know, it's a, a girl who's has some kind of existential problem and the dad tries to help her in with his magical science and things go wrong. <laughs> um, I have like 20 of those, you know, so that's like yeah. a side project. Um, that is still about me, you know, exploring some, but it's more like I have this existential question, like, yeah. you know, what, like I'm working on that's like, why, why do bad things happen? Like, why did this bad thing happen to me? You know, mm -hmm. and so in the story I'm working on, it's like, the dad is like, oh, drink this. And then it'll show you the five things you did as a child to make this current bad thing happen to you. And yeah. it's, you know, which is like ridiculous um, because, you know, there's nothing uh, that could explain one thing, you know, but, uh, I find that when I'm writing in that kind of magical realist speculative space, mm -hmm. I can have a little more fun and it can yeah. feel a little more freeing because it's like, it has its own rules. Yeah. Well, and not only that, but I feel like just as human beings, we are just intelligent enough as like a, an animal. Like we're just <laughs> as intelligent. We're just intelligent enough to like question why we're all here and all those like big questions where it's like if the answer really is it's random like that is a, just a like a mind fuck it's like we're like oh I can't deal with that so I do think it helps to be like even if it's you know take this conch and drink some milk out of it like yeah. and you'll find answers like whatever the reason that you can get answers I think yeah. it does help as like crazy as it is so I understand because I also ask those questions all the time. Like, I don't know about you, but even just like little things, like I will be walking one of my dogs and I'll look up into the sky at night and be like, how the hell are there stars up there? And then like, I'll freak out. And I'm like, I need to make up a, a fake story about this or else I'll freak out. Yeah, I think the, uh, the first story I wrote that was of that speculative, whatever genre um, was when my grandmother passed away actually. And the question, um, so my mom's family's Jewish or side of the family's mostly Jewish, my dad's is not, um, which I guess doesn't matter. But anyway, she was like a typical Soviet atheist. And the question was like, if an atheist, like a, an avowed atheist dies, like where do you visit them in your imagination? You know, yeah. like, 
am I allowed to picture her like being around in the ether if she doesn't believe that she would be, you know what I mean? So mm -hmm. I, I kind of, that was like my first um, uh, foray into like, you know, exploring those things yeah. that have answers. <laughs> oh, I, like I said, my dad is a non-practicing Jew and he's not religious at all. If you don't think I haven't thought a billion times over my life, like, okay, well, he's one of the best human beings I've ever met but he's not religious. What does that mean? Yeah. I think about that shit all the time. That's yeah. Horrible. <laughs> uh, it's yeah. It's very, very frustrating. Um, do you have a length of story that you prefer to write? Cause you've written a ton of short stories. You, you know, had a couple of novels now. Like, is there, I've had people tell me that short stories are more challenging because it has to be like, you know, what under 40,000 words or something. I'm trying to remember like the specifics, but do you have a preferred, yeah, I think it depends so. on what, so I think that the short science-y investigative stories, uh, they tend to be like pretty short, like five to eight pages. And um, yeah, I just love them. They're like little puzzles I try to figure out that have a formula, but that changes a little bit each time. Um, mm -hmm. So I think those are really fun. And then when I write autobiographical stuff, uh, like um, my novel, Oxana Behave is kind of made up of chapters, which are really stories, uh, you know, <laughs> and then um, working on more Oksana stuff, like those tend to be longer. Um, I think they're more challenging, but more emotionally rewarding, maybe. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, do you, what are some of the things, because you 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 teach English, I, and I'm sorry, that, like, that's obvious to you, it's your job, but like, should clarify it a little bit, like, you are a professor, and for people listening, it should be obvious that an author would teaching. I guess it would be crazy if you're like, no, I'm a it's biochemistry. It's just uh, <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. Um, but are there having like having grown up with this feeling of like other and um, you know not really being maybe sure where you belong, but also like all these different types of stories that clearly stuck with you throughout. Like, are those things that you suggest to your students to focus on, or is there? do you kind of think like that's just your particular path and like I'm I'm curious I, I don't get to ask like teachers many questions yeah. about their students like how does my experience affect my syllabus kind yeah of that's answer? a way better way of asking the question <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah I think I you know and I try because um you know my students in Alabama uh are mostly not immigrants you know so um and they're, I, they're I, really, I can imagine what they look like yeah but you know but they are really interested in and I've taught students in um you know, in Iowa as a graduate student and California as a graduate student and by far from any group of people they write about place the most, like they're obsessed with the South and being from the South and what it means and the complications, which makes sense, right? Um, yeah. Which is really interesting to me. So I um, try to, you know, sneak in or whatever, like stuff that I like mm -hmm. um, uh, as, and form and kind of frame it as like a lot of the immigrant stuff. So like um, David, Bis do I have it here? everything's in a pile, you know? So oh yeah, obviously. <laughs> Where's the pile? But uh, David Vizmozgis has a book called Natasha and Other Stories. Mm -hmm. um, Jhumpa Lahiri's Unaccustomed Earth has a bunch of um, younger characters. Um, you know, Girl by Jamaica Kincaid. I try to frame it as being about place and also being about coming of age, mm -hmm. you know? Because I think that those are things that everyone can relate to as opposed yeah. to like, let's study the immigrant experience, which of course is an experience that's very important. And also you could mm -hmm. relate to it on, like everyone doesn't, feels like they don't belong in some way, you know, but yeah. Um, but yeah, I think that's stuff that I sneak in for sure. Cause it's stuff I love. Uh, and, and I think they respond pretty well to yeah. like, younger characters who are in a new place. Everything feels strange. And, mm -hmm. um, it will, um, I don't know if you're, are you familiar with Wright Thompson? 
he's yeah the, he's he the pappy yeah pappy land i was yes, just gonna right. say just like my husband so, that book for his birthday <laughs> yeah okay so pa- great it's a great book and that's what i was actually going to recommend like to your students because it's you talking about how much they love how people from the south love the fact that they're from the yeah. south yeah he right thompson i feel like is both he's the shining example of that because he's just like a once in a generation talent from a writing standpoint but mm-hmm. good god does he love everything about being southern and he yeah. is proud of it but like this the book one thing i will say about it is it is extremely southern in the sense where he's like i'm gonna tell you about churchill downs and we're gonna talk all about horse racing for four <laughs> chapters but it is very much in the coming of age because he also talks about his family and having a child for the first time and stuff and it is like it's like that perfect combination of the two things you were talking about of your students being like oh wow that we love we love our accent and we love the 100 degrees and the humidity down here but also like it's a person that's in a place and talks about what that means to them um because yeah I feel like where you're at where you where you grew up I do feel like has a big not just like the stories that you hear and that you feel but like just simply I, it's a running joke. I grew up in Lorain, Ohio, which is where Toni Morrison is from. And I feel like I have to inject that into every conversation and every story I write. And it's just like a thing. And yeah. I feel like the different locations in the country, especially like, it would be weird if they didn't frame their stories, I guess. Yeah. And it's, and I think they're, you know, they're mostly not like the South is awesome. It's more like the complications of like, yeah. Um, understanding what, how people think, you know, the South mm-hmm. is and, they're comp- and my grad students too do it, you know, and it's just interesting to me because I've kind of lived in New Jersey and Florida and Ohio and California and Iowa and Alabama now. And I'm just like, ah, you know, so I'm really interested in people who have lived in one place their whole life and yeah, really into just digging in there. Um, yeah, so I think when I frame things that way, it, it makes it fun. Helps them a little bit, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so towards the end of our conversations, we like to ask nine lighthearted questions. Not that anything I asked you was like super like grilling into your soul, I don't think. But um, we just like to ask these. Like, it just gives people a little bit of like fun background, random questions. So the first one is, what's the last book you finished reading? Oh, um, Convenience Store Woman by Sayaka Murata. Yeah. Do you have a favorite place to read? Oh, right now it's my bed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like th- this used to be a much more like randomized question for people, but now none of us really leave our homes ever. <laughs> so they're like either the chair I'm sitting in or my bed. What do you mean? I have two places I can sit. Um, what do you remember the book that made you fall in love with reading when you were younger? Oh, um, Probably it was either the the Boxcar Children books or the Sweet Valley High books. Yeah, kind uh, of cute. <laughs> love Boxcar Children. It's amazing. Yeah. Uh, when we are allowed to go places again, what's one place you'd like to travel to that you have not yet been? Oh, I've never been. Um, I'd like to go to Peru. Yeah, it's a good one. <laughs> uh, do you have a favorite holiday? Um, I'd say Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. <laughs> are you a coffee person or a tea person? Coffee. <laughs> I'm drinking instant instant answer uh cats or dogs what oh uh, cats cats okay uh favorite food favorite food oh gosh um I'd say sushi I should say something Russian you know but <laughs> it's all right sushi's delicious it's fine um and then if you could have dinner with one person alive or dead who would you pick 
Kurt Vonnegut. <laughs> oh, that see, that was really quick. Normally, people give me that look like, oh my God, I don't know. Let's just. We it. just finished. Um, I'm teaching a humor class for my grad students, and we just finished Slaughterhouse Five, and I'm like, yeah. I just, I just, so I've been thinking a lot about wanting to have met him. <laughs> Absolutely, that's perfect. Okay, last question for you: sure. What do you hope readers take away from something unbelievable? Uh, you know, I I hope that they just kind of take away something about the complications of family and the ties that find us, the things that make us different and just kind of uh, as much as the book, you know, has a cast of characters in the front and has all these different sections, uh, kind of just the randomness of, of how we're all thrown on this earth trying to figure things out. Uh, yeah. That's absolutely perfect. Maria, thank you for joining me today. Yeah, thank you so much. This is so fun. Readers can sample and borrow the titles mentioned in today's episode from Overdrive.com, and our library friends can purchase these titles in Marketplace. Professional Book Nerds is proud to be an Evergreen Podcast signature program. To learn about other Evergreen podcasts, visit evergreenpodcasts.com. Our podcast is produced, recorded, and edited by Adam Sokol and Jill Grunewald and presented by Overdrive. For more information, visit professionalbooknerds.com. History is complicated. The story of human progress is long, messy, and riddled with controversies big and small. On Conflicted, we dive headfirst into history's most infamous events and contentious figures. We try and untangle the good from the bad, the fact from the fiction, and the monsters from the misunderstood. Was Genghis Khan a murderous butcher or a civic pioneer? Did the Allied powers go too far? in firebombing the German city of Dresden at the twilight of World War II? And how did the Marquis de Sade acquire such a sinister reputation? And was any of it true? These are just a few of the tough questions we wrestle with and investigate on Conflicted. So if you love history or just enjoy a good story, please join me, your host, Zach Cornwell, for a fascinating new topic each and every month. Conflicted, a history podcast, is available on Spotify, Apple, or wherever else you get your podcasts. I hope to see you soon.